Convenient, coordinated, high quality health care. That's our focus. Keeping you up to date and informed. It's SMG Radio, brought to you by Summit Medical Group. Here's Melanie Cole. If you suffer from chronic heartburn, you may actually have a more serious condition called gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD. If GERD is left undiagnosed and untreated, it can lead to a condition called Barrett's esophagus. My guest today is Dr. Raymond Kenny. He's a gastroenterologist with Summit Medical Group. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kenny. Start with a little overview of GERD and how it can possibly lead to this condition called Barrett's esophagus. Well, GERD, or gastroesophageal reflux disease, is you know, the retrograde movement of fluid from the stomach, which is acid in character, up into the esophagus. That can lead over time to inflammation in the esophagus. And commonly, we feel that as heartburn. When we look down with an endoscope, we can see erosions, or, or that is actually ulcerations in the distal esophagus. And in some subset of patients, over time, there's actually a, almost a protective change in the lining of the esophagus from the normal type of lining, which is very similar to our skin or squamous mucosa, to the type of lining that's more like the lining in the stomach. When we look at it with an endoscope, the normal esophagus is sort of a pink color, a pale pink color, and the lining in the esophagus is an orange color. So we can look in the the bottom of the esophagus, and protectively, there's a change from that normal pink color to an orange color. And when that extended up from the from the uh, junction, from the uh, esophageal gastric junction, for three centimeters or a little over an inch, it was labeled by Dr. Barrett in the 1950s as Barrett's esophagus. And the reason he gave a special name to this is because those people who have that type of lining in their distal esophagus are 30 times, 3-0, 30 times more likely to get esophageal cancer compared to the normal population. Wow. That's a big, you know, that's a big increase in this risk for cancer. So are there symptoms of Barrett's esophagus? How would someone even know if this is starting to develop? Well, the the symptoms, are there symptoms of Barrett's esophagus? The answer is yes and no. The most common symptom associated with it is heartburn. Uh, 60% of those patients with with Barrett's esophagus are going to have heartburn, the classic symptom that we all know about a retrograde burning sensation in the the, the chest area. Um, 40% 40% of them don't have any symptoms. Um, but today we use the symptom of heartburn, the frequency of heartburn, and medication for the heartburn as an index as to when we get to be more concerned about Barrett's esophagus. How often would someone, if they are concerned about Barrett's esophagus, have an endoscopy, do you think? Well, an index endoscopy somewhere around age 50 should be sufficient unless there's a family history of esophageal cancer or there are relatively frequent heartburn symptoms. Generally speaking, we're seeing this entity around age 50, but it can occur earlier, particularly in families that have a history of esophageal cancer. Or if someone had persistent uh, heartburn symptoms, we're talking about several times a week, which are taking over-the-counter medications. It would be reasonable to do that, particularly in certain ethnicities, it's it's most prominent in middle-aged white males. And since I fit that category, I don't think that's fair. But if you get a middle-aged white male with frequent heartburn symptoms, 13% of them will have this condition. 
How interesting that that is the subset, the group of people that are at a higher risk. Because usually it's, I don't know, women or certain populations. So that's very interesting. What do you do if you've diagnosed someone with Barrett's esophagus? Are there treatments because then with this increased risk of cancer, is there a way to help prevent that from, from happening? Well, well classically, in, 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 in the past, we've basically just treated the underlying gastroesophageal reflux disease. But interesting that you asked. At this point in time, we actually can do something about Barrett's esophagus itself. There are, in the past, you had to surgically remove that section, that 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 orange section, uh, up to the normal esophagus. But now we have relatively non-invasive uh, mechanism to actually go in there and burn that abnormal lining away. And when you do that, uh, what grows back in is the normal mucosa. So therefore, reducing the risk of the development of cancer over time. That, what which, a, that procedure is called radiofrequency ablation. So what about lifestyle, modification, behaviors, things that you do that can help with this as it's going? Well, basically, the, the treatments of Barrett's would be the same for gastroesophageal reflux disease. You would want to pursue a lean body mass through diet and exercise. Um, you would not uh, want to eat big meals. You want to eat smaller meals. You don't want to eat within two hours of lying down. So those are those are the lifestyle modifications that you would have. But we're, we're talking, if you're at the point of Barrett's esophagus, there's some other things that you need to do. You need to be monitoring for the development of what we call dysplasia. It's, it's basically thinking of it as a pap smear, checking the lining every two years to see if there are some changes in the lining of the esophagus that show that it's at even more increased risk of having cancer develop in a short time frame, at which point you would then treat it with the radiofrequency ablation that we mentioned earlier. If you treat it with that radiofrequency ablation, does it then have the opportunity to come back, or is it pretty much gone in that spot? It, for the most part, once you finish this course of treatments, which may be three or four treatments, three or four endoscopies to get rid of it, it will remain normal for an extended period of time. We have studies that are out five and ten years in some cases. There is a relapse rate of the material, which you then treat and then ablate it again. But it's a relatively low number. It's, it's less than 20% within a short time frame, say, say five years. And through that whole period of time, you've reduced the risk of the development of cancer. Then would somebody stay on the proton pump inhibitors or whatever medication you've given them then for the next bunch of years? Oh, yes, they would. It's basically the mindset is that reflux disease causes Barrett's esophagus and Barrett's esophagus causes cancer. So if we're at the point of Barrett's esophagus with a, a, a dysplasia, which is portending cancer development, we basically certainly go back to the point where we're very strict about maintaining acid reduction after we've removed the barrett. So then in just the last few minutes, Dr. Kenny, and you are such a great guest. Thank you so much for being with us. Give us your best advice for GERD and hopefully not leading to Barrett's esophagus and why listeners should come to Summit Medical Group and see you for their care. Well, for people with ordinary reflux disease, 
most of these things are a lifestyle modification. Not so much in the, the things that we've talked about before of diet change in the sense of not having spearmint, peppermint, or caffeine in their, in their diet, um, but reducing their weight. That's probably the most important factor that's correlated not only with, with reflux disease, but with the, with the uh, development of Barrett's esophagus. So th- those are the most important things that they can do to prevent the problem. Once they've had the problem, and they have a significant amount of reflux disease, uh, we, we need, do need to treat it, particularly if they have erosive esophagitis and Barrett's esophagus. At the, the point of having Barrett's esophagus, we're, we're at a tipping point in how we treat this and the aggressiveness with which we, we approach this. There's a, there's, a, there's a subtle difference. In the past, we've done this surveillance where we look every two years to see if there's a change in the development of dysplasia. And we're changing the philosophy now that we have a relatively non-invasive way of removing the Barrett's esophagus. There are doctors among us who are advocates of removing the Barrett's esophagus. One could make the analogy to colonoscopy. Would your doctor go in and do a colonoscopy, see a polyp, which is considered a precancerous condition, and then leave it there only to come back in two years to go back and see if it has yet to turn into cancer? No, he would remove the polyp. So if he had the ability to remove the precancerous condition, why wouldn't he do that? Now, there, that's somewhat of a false analogy in that one out of six polyps becomes cancer, and it's really thought that 96% of people with Barrett don't develop cancer. So the frequency of cancer development in those people is, is less. So it's a somewhat of a false analogy. But basically, in those people where you can see that they have long-segment Barrett's, which is a higher risk, or there's a family history of esophageal cancer, you might, in that case, make a very good argument for removing the Barrett's altogether with the radiofrequency ablation. So those those subtleties, those are things that, that experience uh, tells us and time has told us over or what we should be doing with these patients. And to put the vast majority of people with reflux disease don't have these issues. But in those people who do have these issues, I think a careful examination of the esophagus and some uh, discussion with the patient patient options is is in order. So those are the those are the things that we provide uh, in our group, and I, I'm uh, very happy to. Uh, to uh, discuss, you know, the, the expertise of the group in general. It's a very well-trained group in, in its entirety. Thank you so much. You are obviously an excellent physician. Thank you for being with us. You're listening to SMG Radio. For more information, you can go to summitmedicalgroup.com. That's summitmedicalgroup.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.